All right, let's go. Stage six. Let's get right into it. In stage five, I gave you an example of a bike race scenario where the leaders are slowly starting to open a gap between you and themselves. And at that point, it's a crucial point because you know from experience that when that gap opens and things really get cooking, that gap usually widens and widens and gets to a point where they're out of sight and then naturally becomes out of mind. So that's what the last stage felt like at the end. There's always a chance that the race ahead slows down. And if you can recover and get kind of back into a rhythm that's going a little bit faster than that lead pack, you can actually catch them again. So there's always a chance within realistic scenarios. And sometimes miracles do happen. So there's always that and that hope. So now the lung thing was pretty heavy, obviously, but I also had this hip bone issue, which seemed small in comparison to the new news. So we have to take care of that first. I did radiation on that. It was a different form of radiation that did not go over six weeks. It was actually three days and it was really powerful dose, I guess you'd say. I, I never had any complications from it. It didn't even really feel like it happened, but it did the job. Um, in the meantime, I decided to change doctors. I felt like Dr. Weeks kind of tried everything he felt was best. And I also realized the level of specialty a sarcoma type cancer is. There was another doctor in the same clinic, Dr. Portnoy, who looking at all the doctors, he seemed to have the most in sarcoma knowledge. So that was the best option. And I started seeing Dr. Portnoy in this transition of the disease and his transition of treatment. So he was put in a really difficult position to take over in an advanced state. But to make a long story short, he basically gave me three options as I remember it. And, and chemo was the only overall option as he saw it. But within chemo, three options that range from mild side effects to medium side effects to heavy side effects, meaning less potent to very strong. And if you know me by now, which you should if you've been listening, guess what I picked? Number three, of course. So let's do the hard, hard stuff and uh, get the show on the road. 
So that's what I did. Chemo again, part two. And I would say this was the darkest time for me mentally. It felt like the leaders were now out of sight. It's one thing when you could kind of see the leaders and you, you have a chance, the visual is there. If you're just going a little bit faster, if you recover, then you could pick up some ground and close that gap and then you're back in the thick of things. That's happened to me many times. And many times that gap is open and I never saw the leaders again. It felt like I couldn't see him anymore, which was a long shot. And I told my wife, I called it dim. It felt like I was wearing sunglasses all the time. And I, I don't know how much I can really describe beyond that. Um, on top of that, the chemo treatments were very long because I was doing two different drugs. Like in the morning I had to do one drug and then you had to wait like two or three hours and then start the other drug. So it was an all day thing, you know, nine to five kind of thing um, at this clinic. And it just really sucked. This was the worst part um, mentally. I remember walking in that little break between the clinic and this gas station on the corner and there was like this field in between the two and the grass was kind of high and it was summer and I remember walking that and I just felt nothing. I felt like I was just floating in space almost. Like there was no enjoyment out of life anymore. There, you know, every now and then you could trick your mind into like enjoying a Coke or something at a gas station, but it was like nothing worked. Coffee, nothing. It just, it was difficult, you know. Um, there's this drug that after chemo you, you take and it's an injection and it is made to stimulate your white blood cells. And I believe there's some bone marrow involved in that. And that drug usually made me sicker than the chemo did. Um, like it was just, for me, I, I could tell when that medicine would kick in and I would ache all over. Um, so after the first week of that heavy dose, I believe it was, or during that first, after that first session, I, I, it's a little cloudy, but I was not feeling very good. Um, I was shaking and I don't, I, I think I can attributed it to either that drug or the fact that I've never done a chemo like this before. So this is probably normal. Um, I remember being very cold and it was summer and my wife said, go in the backyard because it's hot outside and it's sunny and and sit on the patio and, and warm up. And, and that kind of worked. Um, but it, it just, I don't know, something was amiss. I remember going to sleep that night. I remember being very achy, very tired. And 
apparently during the night I was moaning about my legs. Now, I don't remember that. But I woke up like any other day. I had to go to work. And it was like my legs stopped working. I, it was like they were almost paralyzed. I couldn't get out of bed. My legs just were detached from my hips. You know, it was like nothing was left. There was no muscle power left to, to raise myself up out of bed. And I had to, to go to the restroom. And she tried, my wife tried to you know carry me but it was dead weight um and i the only thing i could do was just sit on the corner of the bed and still at this point i was thinking this is normal but it was definitely on, on the fence mentally like but thank God my wife took over and her instincts kicked in and she didn't waste any time and she called 911. And she told me she did that and I think her expectation or I think what she said was, look, I know you don't agree with this, but I did it anyway. I was just thinking it's probably better to be safe than sorry. And this was the first time I was actually in an ambulance. Um, they picked me up. I remember laying down in the gurney and looking at the street lights and trying to guess where I was. Um, I figured they'd pump me up with fluids and then everything would be fine, I think, at this point. Um, I remember getting checked in to the hospital and then it was like lights out for the next two weeks. I was in the emergency room. I was in the intensive care unit. Got sepsis, which is a serious infection that attacks all your organs. And my organs were shutting down. My kidneys were shutting down. Um, I was literally on the fence between life and death. If I wouldn't have got to the hospital, I wouldn't have made it. it. It was that close. And when I say it was lights out for two weeks, there are times when I would kind of come to in the ICU and sort of look around and see my environment. I didn't really put two and two together while I was there, but I do remember lucid thoughts and awareness of spatial awareness, I guess you'd say. Like I could hear nurses talking about lunch or dinner, I don't remember when it was, but I can hear conversations. Um, I, I remember I could see forward, I could see a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right. I remember it being kind of dark, but I, I can definitely hear activity. Um, my sister and my wife are alternating coming to see me I have also this thing called rhabdomyolysis which involves the kidneys I'm getting dialysis while I'm in the ICU I'm chemo sick so things are really bad and there are a lot of cascading things that were happening where boxes were being ticked 
that moved toward the most severe case. It's definitely headed in that direction. I don't remember hardly anything out of this whole time. I, I do remember a dialysis a few times and toward the end I remember trying to communicate with my sister and I couldn't speak. Um, it, it was a lot of nightmarish things like that where you can't communicate and you're wrapped up in all these wires you can't sleep and my sister said I was at a point where I told her I gave up and they just need to let me go now I do not remember this that doesn't sound like me that would say that throughout my life in cycling and in whatever sports I played I never quit, and I never stopped believing that I could close a lead or win a race or accomplish my goals. So I, that was odd to me when my sister said that. And she told me this after the fact. I don't remember it. But um, she said it got really dark, and she felt this dark presence and... She left and went in the car and called my family, all my brothers, on a conference call. and It was just crying, and she doesn't feel really good about this. Things are not looking good, and she told them what I told her. And she said she didn't blame me for feeling that way. So it was really bad, and I think this was the closest it came. But um, she said at some point later she came back. I don't know if it was immediately, but she said I popped up, which is something I couldn't do, like a sit-up. She said I popped up, and I started talking about my deceased father and deceased grandmother, my dad's mom, and how I either saw them and they scared me or something like that. And she said, I went back down. And then a few minutes later, I popped back up again and I started saying the same thing about how my grandmother and my dad, and I, I was scared. And she interpreted it as they were telling me to come back to life. That is not my time, which seems very accurate I would say um, I don't remember this and I do think this is what would be called a near-death experience but not all near-death experiences are people remember them or saw the light I didn't see any of that I don't even remember this I just it was spoken to my sister and from that point on my recovery began and we'll end the stage on that the recovery began All right, so thank y'all for hanging in. Check your lumps. And we'll go on to stage seven. Subscribe, please. And like. All that stuff. Bye.